the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Your life becomes like a garden overflowing with spiritual fruit, blessing others, blessing you, and blessing God with greater glory. So the world, he says, begins to see the sincerity of your faith, not just by what you say, but by what you do. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. What are you doing today that's making a forever difference? Is there any chance that you've been so stained by this world that you're not having an impact, an investment, as you wished in the next? Let me take you on an imaginary journey. It's your big day. I'm not sure exactly what. It's it's your job interview. It's your first date, or or maybe even your proposal. It's the first day of class. It's your big day, and you're excited. So you get up, you do your exercise, you take a shower, you get dressed in your best clothes, and then you prepare to enjoy your favorite meal because you want to be ready, full of energy, for your big day. So you sit down at the table and begin to enjoy your spaghetti and meatballs. You take that fork... And you begin to scoop out a meatball. And then all of a sudden it flies off the fork into your shirt, down your shirt, into your lap. And before you know it, you've got meatball everywhere. That's okay. You kick the meatball under the table. (laughs) You take your napkin, you wipe off your shirt and your pants, and then you just keep thinking about your big day. But you don't realize when you go into your interview or your first class or when you go on that first date, you don't realize that all that's being seen, all that's being noticed are the stains all over you. You see, I think that's the problem with the church today. It's our big day. Well, for a couple of thousand years, it's been our big day. Jesus was born. He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross. He rose from the grave. He ascended to heaven. The church was born. We're here to make a difference. But too often, all the world can see is our stain. All the world sees is the effect of sin in our life. And so the profession that we seem to make with our lips doesn't appear to be matched with a possession in our lives. That's what we're going to talk about from the book of James. But first, let me bring you up to speed. This little book of the Bible, near the very end, is written by James, the half-brother of Jesus. So in addition to being inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, like all the authors of Scripture, James is writing this with the first-hand knowledge of growing up 
with Jesus. He didn't become a follower of Christ. He didn't surrender his life until after the resurrection of Jesus. But now he's pastoring the people of faith. And he's pastoring in an unusual time because we're told in the first verse that the Christians are scattered. Why are they scattered? Persecution, world problems, pain. We can relate to that, right? We're a church scattered. Some are able to come and gather, socially distant. We wear our mask, but many don't even feel comfortable coming out. We're scattered. There's a a new norm we're trying to adjust to. And, and that's what James was writing to. Not only was the church scattered, but religion, faith, everything had changed. Jesus had turned it on its head. He turned it upside down. And so James begins by just talking about something everybody could understand. He, he reminds us that one of the things that brings blessing to our life is figuring out how to be steadfast, how to persevere, how to be strong in the midst of life's trials. And in fact, a key verse is chapter 1, verse 12. Notice what it says. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life, which God's promised to those who love him. So we have that word trial, which James uses, that can have two meanings. And he tells us about both of those meanings. One word in the Greek, two meanings in English. It can mean test, those trying times in life, those difficulties that we all go through that are beyond our control. And the Bible says that God tests us to develop us, to make us stronger. But that same word can also refer to temptation, and temptation is different. Because the Bible says that Satan tempts us to destroy us. So God is developing us. He's making us better. Satan is tempting us. He's making us bitter. And James is saying, you're going to go through all of these times. You're going to have trials and tests. You're going to have trials and temptations. But God gives you the ability to endure the test and escape the temptation. You've just got to trust him. And when you don't feel like you can trust him anymore, in verse 5 he says, ask, and God will give you the wisdom to make sense of it so you can trust him again and again and again. But then we get to what really is the theme of James. Remember, chapter 1 is just his introduction. And the theme really could be summed up in verse 22. You've probably heard this no matter how often you've been to church. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. James reminds us that one of the criticisms of Christianity, hypocrisy, is really a a bigger problem than most people realize. Because the danger of hypocrisy is not seeking to deceive other people. The danger of hypocrisy is deceiving yourself, pretending to be something that you know you're not. James says that's not okay. You have to be a doer. You have to receive the word. You have to value the word. And then you have to do the word. If we don't do the word, the Bible, not the pastor. The Bible is saying, if you don't do the word, then you should call into question whether or not you've really been changed. And so I want you just to press the pause button right there for a second and think about that. We're going to talk about some practical ways today and for the next several weeks about how you live out your faith. But scripture teaches 
If you look at these descriptions of the faithful life in the Bible and you don't see the reflection of yourself in these words, then you may not be saved. You may not have that relationship with God that you think. God wants us to be doing Christians. And and, and so you need to ask, am I a doer of the word? And I would just say, having grown up in the church, having been a pastor for more than 25 years, the fact is, most Christians today, we're not lacking in information. We are lacking in application. You've got all the information about your faith right at your fingertips. If you don't know it and don't know where to turn in your Bible, you can Google it. You can even, you don't even have to use your fingertips. You can say Siri or hey Google, and it'll take you to the information you need. We're drowning in information while we're lacking in application. But James says, the one who truly follows Christ is different. Because the one who truly follows Christ looks into the word of God. And instead of just glancing, they gaze. Instead of just being charmed, They're changed, and as that change takes place, they begin to do the Christian life. That's what verse 25 was all about. But the one who looks into the perfect law, think about that, the perfect law, and then the law of liberty. So God's word is a perfect law, but it's a law that gives us freedom. We have the freedom to do it, and you persevere. If you look into the word of God and you persevere, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, He will be blessed in his doing. And that leads us to what I think James is trying to say to us today. A very practical truth. In fact, this is the one thing. The one thing I want you to walk away with. And here it is. If the word of God is implanted in you, your life will be like a garden overflowing with spiritual fruit. Blessing others. Blessing you and blessing God with greater glory. I'm going to say that again because I want you to get it. If you're not just a hearer, you're not just an auditor, you don't just show up for church every now and then, but if the word of God is implanted in you and begins to take root, it will grow in your life and your life will look like a garden that's overflowing with what the Bible calls spiritual fruitfulness. And as that takes place, it will be a blessing to others. You will have the blessed life and you will bless God. So here's what I want to do. As practical as I ever am, I want us to pray and ask God to make that possible right here, right now. Let's ask God to give us ears to hear, a mind and a heart that's receptive, eyes to see and hands that are open so that his word can take root in our lives. Let's pray together. And that is our prayer in Jesus' name. Father, give us what we don't have. Teach us what we don't know. Make us what we've not yet become. Lord, not one of us need to go through a religious ritual today. Nobody here just needs to check a box and say, I went to church. But we all need the change that takes place when your spirit touches our life, when we've been empowered and implanted with your word. So change us, Lord. 
And for that person that's not yet begun a relationship with you. Oh God, I pray that you tenderize their heart. I pray that you convict them. I pray that you would draw them close. And even now, whether it's through their emotions or or through their physical being, God, but you help them sense their need for you. And Lord, when they come to the place where they understand that they are indeed a sinner in need of your salvation, that you've offered forgiveness and promised life, God, I pray that they would surrender to you and this would be the day of their salvation. But for many more, most who are hearing these words, Help us just to walk away committed to being doers, difference makers for your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Remember what we said, verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law. In some translations it says, looks intently into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer. Who forgets, but a doer, he will be blessed in his doing. So that begs the question, what does the doing look like? That should beg the question. If I were sitting where you are, if I were listening to these words, hey, I can have blessing if I experience doing. Then just lay that out for me. Isn't that how we work? Whether it's a job or a class, just tell me the expectations because the expectation principle, right? Clear expectations help present frustration if there's been clear communication. So give me the expectation so I know what I'm doing. And that's what he begins to do. He talks about the blessing of doing, what we're doing with what we know. That's the truth of this passage. If the word of God is implanted in you, Your life becomes like a garden overflowing with spiritual fruit, blessing others, blessing you, and blessing God with greater glory. So the world, he says, begins to see the sincerity of your faith, not just by what you say, but by what you do. And that's what happens. When people look at your life, they're either seeing spiritual fruit or they're seeing the stain. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. For some of us today, we need to ask God to deal with the stain. Because the stain is keeping the world from seeing the fruit that God created them to see. Let's dive into this passage. James chapter 1 verse 26. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that's pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. 
So in these two verses, James, the half-brother of Jesus, lays out the rest of the book of James. He gives us an outline for what he's going to talk about. And three things he talks about in two verses. First of all, he says, you're distinguished as a follower of Jesus by your control. Then he's going to say, you're distinguished as a follower of Jesus by your compassion. Then he's going to conclude with, you're distinguished as a follower of Jesus by your cleanliness. So he's going to come back in chapter 3, and he'll spend a lot of time talking about how you live the controlled life. In chapter 2, he's going to dive in deeper on how to live a life of compassionate service and ministry. And then in chapter 4, he's going to dig deep into what it looks like to live a clean and a pure life. So just let's look at those things quickly this morning and, and prepare for what God wants to teach us. The first thing is he teaches us that we stand out as a Christ follower if we have control. And he, he gives us a specific example of the kind of control, right? The control of the tongue. We, we've already learned in the first chapter that James has said, you need to be slow to speak because your tongue gets you in trouble. I brought my mom back home yesterday. She's in town again. I, I think about all she's taught me. And, and one of the things, I can't remember how young I must have been when she first began to say, son, watch out. There's power in your words. And so it's no mistake that in the Old Testament, the very practical book of Proverbs talks over and over and over again about the danger of misusing your your words. And then now in this practical book in the New Testament called James, we see it again. And James gives us a strong statement. Did you hear it? If you think you're religious, but you don't control your tongue, your religion is what? Worthless. Do you hear that? That's actually shocking. Because in church, it's not unusual for us to talk about things that would probably signify a person's faith is not very meaningful. You know, we, we would easily say in church, if someone's living in open adultery, they don't care, and their faith hasn't made a mark on them. If a person is an outright racist and, and they're wearing it loud and proud, yeah, we'll call that out. Their faith's not distinguishing them. If a person walks around and cusses like a sailor and drinks like a fish, guess what? We would say, yeah, your faith is not having the impact probably it should on your life. But I've been in church since before I was born. And we don't often talk about the biggest problem that Christ followers have, the one that James says causes our religion to be worthless, a failure to control our tongue. So before we do anything else today, you need to think about that. You, you need to ask, is my language honoring to Jesus? I, I, am I a gossip? Do I spread untruthful things? Am I hateful in my speech? Am I vulgar? Do I tell jokes that are inappropriate? Do I speak against others with partiality? All of these things, just examples of, of failure to control your tongue. And, and I would just remind you, uh, it's worth doing this every time I, I can think of it. You don't have to say everything you think of. You don't have to say or type everything that comes to your mind. When you do, often, you've lost control. James is reminding us that few things illustrate our faith to a watching world like what we say and how we say it. But then he goes on in verse 27 
to talk about our compassion. And, and this is where we want to spend most of our time today. Look at verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. That's a pretty direct verse. In the previous verse, he said, if you don't control your tongue, your religion is worthless. So what kind of religion is not worthless, James? Well, religion that is valuable, that's pure, that's undefiled, that religion is one that's taking care of orphans and widows in their affliction. Do you understand that word affliction? It it even sounds bad, doesn't it? Nobody wants to be afflicted. Used to, in the old days, if someone was sick, you might hear them say, that person is afflicted. In fact, when I was growing up, I was taught that one of the jobs of a preacher, you have two jobs. You're to comfort the afflicted and you're to afflict the comfortable. And here he says, you're to take care of the orphans and the widows in their affliction. Who are the afflicted? Well, they're all around us. The world's filled with those in affliction. They may be oppressed, abused, persecuted, abandoned, impoverished, enslaved, cast out, stereotyped, or simply in pain. And pure religion shows those people, those who are outside of societal norms. It shows those people the Father's love. They're depending on you. They're depending on Christ followers to help them in their affliction. So we're just taking this real slow. I've I've just got to ask you, how are you doing? If that is faith, if that's what pure religion looks like, how are you doing? Where are those people? Well, the widows are all around us, right? I'm reminding of this every day as I now care for my mom in a different way. We have many in our church whose spouse have gone on before them. This was significant in the day that James wrote. I'm glad our society doesn't think this way right now, but in James's day, A woman's value was found in her husband, in her work. Jesus turned all that upside down because Jesus would say, in Christ there's no Jew nor Greek, there's no male nor female. But in that day, if a person's husband died, they became a widow. They weren't just sad and lonely. They were outcast in society. They're all around us. What about the orphans? Where are these people, the afflicted? Well, they're in our foster care system. Our, Our county has a couple of thousand children ready to be taken into foster care at just about any time, any given month of the year. They're in the world waiting to be adopted all around the world. In our nation, in our nation, there are about 400,000 children waiting to be adopted. You know what's interesting? There's 350,000 Christian churches. Just do the math. If every church, if a church like ours just had one family who adopted one child, We would almost solve the orphan crisis in the U.S. They're all around us. Foster care, orphans, those who are trafficked, they're abused, their bodies are enslaved. Single moms are often in this category, overwhelmed, the homeless on the streets. And yet James is saying real faith takes care of those people. So remember your one truth. 
If the word of God is implanted in you, your life will be like a garden, overflowing with spiritual fruit, blessing others, blessing you, and blessing God for greater glory. You can't hide real faith. For a lot of years, I've challenged listeners with this phrase. I've said something like, you're kind of living a covert Christianity. I think I need to adjust that. Because according to James, I'm not sure you can live covert Christianity. I'm not sure it's possible to go through life and people not know that you're a follower of Christ. Because if the word of God is implanted in you, your life will be like a garden. It's overflowing with spiritual fruit. It's blessing others. It's blessing you. And it's blessing God with greater glory. So maybe what we need to ask, if there's no real change in us, if our life doesn't look like the life of that pure and undefiled religious person in James 1.27, maybe we need to ask, Has our life even been changed by God? You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhill.org. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.